Hello, 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 and welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement, and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I want to say thank you very much for stopping by. Uh, If this is your first time coming by, if you could or would like to, uh, you can go ahead and follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook at In Defense of Liberation. You can reach out to me there with any questions, with any comments, with any critiques of what I had to say. Um, And you can also email me if you would rather do it in a long form. You can email me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. That uh, has no caps or spaces. Um, And... uh, yeah, you can reach out for whatever reason. Um, I love talking to new people. Um, I love having people ask me questions that I haven't either asked myself or not really investigated myself. Um, I love hearing about new topics to research. Um, so yeah, any any reason you'd like to reach out, those are some ways that you can do so if you enjoy the show. Um, If this is you coming back, I appreciate that a lot, and it really truly means the world because honestly, as I've said before on the show, um, I try my best to make this show entertaining, I try to make it educational, because as I am right now, I'm usually just recording in my car on the way to work, so trying to turn something like that into something that people want to listen to is a bit difficult, Uh, so I'm glad that, you know, I I did a good enough job that you felt it was good enough to come back, so thank you everyone for checking out the show, I hope everyone is doing well, I hope everyone is staying safe, staying healthy, Um, I have a little bit of some notes prepared to talk about some things, because I feel like I do way more ranting and more rambling on this show than I really want to. I want to, I do want this to be a little bit more than just some kid who's stoned in his car rambling about why the uh, dictatorship of the bourgeoisie has taken over the world and why we need to overthrow it. So, I want to I want to talk about a few different things today, but I want to start with a point of reference so that we can kind of get all our minds framed and, and kind of think in the same way quick. Um, so I think all around the world right now, you know. Um, not because of, but especially intensified um, by the pandemic, which still continues to wage on all over the world, no matter what the ruling class tries to tell you. Um, Still today, 
uh, we are seeing the pandemic do its worst to a majority of the people on the planet because as it stands right now, less than 5% of the world's population has even one dose, one dose of vaccines. That's absolutely fucking ridiculous, and we're going to talk about that in a second, so hold on to that. But this is not something that exists because of the pandemic, right? This is a problem which has been intensified by the pandemic. Capitalism is a historical development which was born of necessity due to the pre-existing conditions at the historical time period when capitalism was born. So what do I mean by that? I mean the trade, the society, the power structure, the production capacities, the mode of production, all of that aligned in a way which allowed for capitalism to develop uh, fluidly. And I want to stress that point of fluidity because there is no real use to being able to say that this time specifically is when capitalism became capitalism. Not mercantilism, not, you know, small-scale industry, but capitalism. That dissection is so useless in just about every scenario uh, because it distracts from the larger picture. The larger picture being the material conditions which capitalism creates. So, capitalism, like any other system in class society, is a system wherein one group, what we might know as the dominant or ruling class, holds power over the other class, the working or oppressed class. And they are able to maintain this inequality through certain systems and structures which develop out of material conditions in order to supplant and perpetuate this ruling class system into the future. Capitalism is particularly motivated by a mode of production which exists for profit. It is a mode of production which uses the surplus value and labor of the workforce in order to accumulate extra wealth in the hands of the few wealthy elites. Whether that be Jeff Bezos, whether that be McKinsey and Company, whether that be Goldman Sachs, whether that be Raytheon, 
doesn't matter. The point of interest is the fact that all of the wealth that is created goes away from those who create the wealth. Eventually, as we know, and as Lenin points out in his work, Imperialism, the Highest Stage of Capital, or of Capitalism, as capitalism progresses forward, and over time continues to appropriate and employ the majority of the labor market, the majority of commodity production, and the majority of finance capital, as soon as that hits a point of, we might use the term overproduction, where it produces so much that there is simply not a large enough market in the material and central location that it exists. So, for example, for me, New York, right? Eventually, the capitalism that developed in New York could no longer just be a municipal or a local capitalism. It could no longer be a statewide or a regional capitalism. Eventually, it couldn't even simply be a national capitalism. It developed into a international, a global capitalism. And so because, right, the accumulation and appropriation of the wealth goes to the few hands rather than the many, these few hands are able to become so rich, they are able to become so wealthy that they have so much more money than anyone else. So what do they do? Well, when you have more money than everyone else, what would you do? Well, you're going to spend it. Because that money, what's it good for if not buying things? And now eventually, this gets to a point, as we know, and we should always remember, this gets to a point where it's not just some asshole who's greedy, who just loves, you know, money, loves spending money. But in fact, it gets to a point, the more we analyze the capitalist system, it gets to a point where we can't deny the systemic nature of this phenomenon, of this tendency, of this accumulation. We cannot deny the systemic nature of capitalism. Capitalism has subsumed the state. Capitalism is the state. And we'll hit on that as well later, but before we get there, because I'm starting to go here, there, and everywhere, I want to bring us back in. 
we know that as capitalism has developed within the world, it has created states such as the United States, who are in fact empires. They are colonial and imperial empires. When we're talking about how these corporations, these capitalists, these systems are be able are able to accumulate so much more wealth than the rest of the world, they are therein able to manipulate and dominate the markets of overseas countries, whether it's through the ownership of the labor force in that country, for example, in Haiti and other Caribbean countries, where corporations like United Fruit, Fruit of the Loom, etc., Hanes, are one of, if not the only, employment opportunities for people, wherein they receive 30 to 33 cents a day. This is one way in which foreign capital invades and dominates markets. Another way is through the ownership of the resources. They might set up a mining company or an oil refinery or make a trade deal with uh, the uh, uh, cobalt uh, mines so that all the cobalt goes directly to the global north countries. How do they do that? Well, oftentimes they do it through either one of two means. And this is going to take us more into the conversation of empire, which is going to hit us further into the rest of our conversation. First, first mean by which they do this. Militarization. Now, we know that just as well as, you know, anyone else, because those of us who read the history books can learn. Um, you have your colonial, you have your imperial and you have your many other forms of military occupation, exploitation, and oppression. The second way that this is done is through finance capital. Finance capital is a little bit more complicated, but the easiest way to understand it is instead of an export of commodities, the state exports capital which it loans out or uses to manipulate the markets and production capabilities of other countries because if those countries don't take the loans from the IMF or from the World Bank or from USAID, USAID or from some other, you know, think tank third party entity in the United States, Canada, etc. If they don't take that money, they might not have an infrastructure for clean water because the only way in our global market where they could get something like that is by having the capital to be able to pay a private corporation to come in and set something like that up because when you are a country who tries to you know nationalize your oil refineries or tries to do uh you know some kind of agrarian reform uh, if you try to build up your labor labor force and uh, you know hire them out for public jobs so that you can 
combat unemployment. Uh, the same thing happens, which is the United States calls up their two best friends, the FBI and the CIA. Uh, their third cohort slowly but surely becoming the OAS, although that guy seems to not be doing so great. Shout out Avo, shout out uh, Maduro. Um, these, you know, these entities will try to fucking kill you. Read Washington Bullets by Vijay Prashad. Anywho, so we got an empire, right? And this imperial empire exists, as we've discussed on the show before, not simply because of its brawn and its just power, because you can have the tallest castle in the world, but eventually enough peasants get together and say, you know what? Fuck that guy in the castle. And what do they do? They burn it down. So you can't just have power for power's sake. So the empire isn't just big and mighty and strong. They're also the most wealthy. They use their power to oppress and exploit the masses of the world. And through the appropriation of the masses of the world's surplus value and the profits which can be made off of that, the imperial empires are capable of therein turning that wealth back into more power. Big guns steal a lot of money. A lot of money makes bigger guns. Get it? But as Michael Parenti clearly points out in a lot of his fantastic speeches that you should check out, eventually the empires begin eating themselves from the inside. Eventually the belly of the beast gets so full on what it can still take from the rest of the world. And soon, that world begins battling back that eventually the only way it can feed is by feeding on itself. So what happens? All around the world, right? All around the world, not just here in the United States, you are seeing the education and other public services being completely drained. Why? We have no health care in this country. A lot of the public and government jobs, which formerly provided a, you know, a possible um, way out of, you know, pure poverty and exploitation for some, those are gone. Pensions, right, have turned to 401ks, which most of us can't afford. The jobs that we have now are not jobs that benefit us as a society. They are not jobs that add to the value of our humanity, right? They are just service jobs. They are simple labor or production jobs for the sake of profits of others. We do not have anything that the people need in this country. We do not have affordable housing. We do not have ample and affordable foodstuffs. We do not have competitive education. We do not have practical education. We do not have public control of the media. We have constant misinformation and propaganda within our social media, within our news, 
within our education, within our government and politics. The surplus of which, right, which is being siphoned off so that our military budget can skyrocket, that surplus that is going into the military budget is filling the stomachs and the pockets of the already wealthy and rich 1%. And even calling them the 1%, I I would say is an overstatement. I'd say it's probably not even more like 0.325%, if that. But you got to figure that the already incredibly wealthy minority of the world is turning that and it's turning them into a bubble right because these like I said you got this big big castle right and every single day you walk by it and the guy standing up on top of the castle he's got his dick out and he's just flipping you off right because honestly in my head that that's what it is to be ruling class you're a guy on top of a castle with your dick out flipping the people off that's That's being rich, right? That's the best picture I have for it. Eventually, you get sick of that guy. And eventually, you figure out how to make a gun big enough to shoot him in the fucking face, right? So, this wealth is swelling. It's swelling. It's swelling. And it's going into the fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer hands. That bubble is getting ready to pop, right? And that's why we can't talk about this shit as individuals as you know crony capitalism because this shit is built right into the system this is its natural tendency this is the way it's going to go this is why it's the way that it is going and this is why as a natural tendency neoliberalism will continue to take the wealth out of the public sector and place it into the private one until eventually the private sector completely subsumes the public sector and eventually that bubble fucking pops we cannot however like a lot of us in the first world want to do become doomers and gloomers and accept that shit we can't just let the bubble pop because guess what the bubble doesn't just pop those motherfuckers know it's coming too they're getting guns They're getting shelters, they're getting walls, they're getting border security, right? They're getting the vaccines and they're tucking them away. It doesn't fucking matter that the shit's about to blow. They're going to be milking that shit. They're going to be blowing it up all the way until it pops to make sure when it does, they can grab as much as they can and run. So we can't think that this is just okay. We can't sit around and go, oh yeah, these, these damn ruling class capitalists are going to finally get what they deserve. Because no, they're not. Things don't just happen that way. We don't live in a, a miraculous world. We, there's no such thing as karma. There's no such thing as, you know, uh, uh, things happening for a reason because some higher power decides that they should. And I guess I shouldn't say there is no such thing. It's just not the most logical thing to depend on because at the end of the day if it doesn't happen you kind of fucked yourself because you didn't do anything to set yourself up for failure and that's kind of what I want to hit on because we'll all fucking die like 
when climate crisis comes, they're not just going to go, oh, you know what, guys? You know, we were really mean to you. Why don't you come into our, our doomsday shelter? We got all this food in here for you. Da, da, da. No, that's not going to happen. So if we just let this shit happen, if it just goes how it's going right now, a majority of us still don't know how, why, or who is oppressing us. We don't even know anything about capitalism. We don't know how we get our medicine. We don't know how the United States produces food. We don't know if our grocery store or our local pharmacy runs out of produce or products. We don't know how the fuck to get more. Most of us don't know how to grow a garden, myself included. Most of us don't know how to make homemade remedies for colds and things like that, myself included. Most of us don't even fucking have a home of our own. So if we just go, okay, well, the shit's going to hit the fan. The people deserve it. Let's just watch it all fall, right? No, you got to get the people organized. You got to get dual power set up so that we can be providing for the people during, as, and after the fact that this bubble pops. We got to make sure people are getting fed. We got to make sure people have health care. We got to make sure people have housing. We got to make sure people know about socialism. We got to make sure people know about capitalism. We got to make sure of these things, folks. Most of the world has no vaccine. Most of the world has no job. And that's where we're at, right? That's where we're sitting at. We don't have health care. We don't have any safety. Yet so many of us are still so ignorant to the system which has made sure that we don't have these things. Most of us don't even understand how we're being exploited, right? So how do we expect in that case, after, you know, this miraculous moment where capitalism just falls of its own accord, how do we capitalize on that moment? How do we fucking survive? We don't. So we have to understand that right here, right now, the small little gains that we're working for, the compromises that we are willing to make in order to say, get a few more people on health care, get a few more people into Section 8 housing, etc. This is a fantastic thing because it's providing for people, but it is not and it will not ever be enough. This is not something that needs to be our goal. It needs to be a step in the right direction. We can't compromise because we know that compromising with the ruling class and compromising with the wealthy corporations is precisely what has gotten us here. We have to be militant. We have to be knowledgeable and we have to be scientific in our approach to correcting the issues that are facing society. We can't carry in a bias. We can't leave any stones unturned from the society that we live in today. We can't allow any portion of the capitalist, colonial, and imperial oppressive society to continue forward. We have to use what exists today, what has been created, to destroy itself and build itself anew. We have to investigate everything. 
We have to look at every single problem, how it's been attempted to be fixed, what perspectives we can look at it, how we can take new approaches, how we can fund those new approaches, who we can look to, what kind of conversations we can have, what actions we should be taking, what has failed, what hasn't failed, etc. We have to be looking at all of that. That can't be done with the ruling class power which has oppressed us. That can't be done by sitting across the table from the people who have exploited and oppressed the labor of the global south. That can't be done by coming together and forming a pact with the wealthy corporations who are stealing the wealth and the resources and the needs from the people all across the world. That can't happen. We have to understand that the private property system known as capitalism can only and will only ever continue to drain the well for itself until the well is dry, plain and simple. We see that today. We know that shit to be true, so let's act on it. So what do we need? Well, a homie of mine from Brazil, who I love talking about on the show, he put me on to this person, Jody Dean. Go ahead and check her out. Um, I'm still working my way through some of her stuff on YouTube, and I just cracked open her book, Comrade. So we're going to talk about the fact that when we're trying to build a new world, right, when we recognize that the shit that we have is not enough and the shit that we can get from within this system will never be enough, when we start to recognize that, right, we begin to recognize something also, and that is the ability to build something new requires something new. It requires a foundation and a fighting force which is entirely building towards something which has not existed in the circumstances that we have today. That means we can't just go, okay, yeah, we had a better social security system 50 years ago, let's go back to that. Or okay, yeah, we had the New Deal, let's have a Green New Deal, right? No. We have to completely scrap the shit that doesn't work. Just because we try it a different way doesn't mean that capitalism is just going to work. Capitalism doesn't work, period. End of story. So if we want to build a new world from the old, because we can't deny that we live in the world we live in today, and so therefore some of those shitty parts are gonna carry over. If we wanna build a new world from the old world, we have to try to do it without just simply implementing new material into the already existing system. What I mean is we have to try to fix the problems of the old world by building a new world, not by bringing new ideas, quote-unquote, new ideas into the old system, which we know does not work. We have to be past the point where we think that anything within our capitalist system today is capable of benefiting us or building a society which is egalitarian and will provide for the many, not just simply the few. 
What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until that glorious day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you for stopping by. Um, If this is your first time stopping by, uh, I really do appreciate it. Um, It means a lot because, you know, I enjoy this show. Um, I'm not able to do it to the level of production value that I would really like to uh, at the moment, uh, just simply because of my work and organizing schedule. Uh, but I try to put out whatever content I can to try to, you know, speak to events that are happening, try to present a certain type of critical analysis to, you know, given issues within society, and uh, basically just try to provide my two cents for whatever it's worth. Uh, And if you listen and seem to agree with me or feel that, uh, you know, I'm saying anything worth listening to, that means a lot because, you know, I'm trying to learn myself. Uh, I spend a lot of time trying to learn, uh, and I try to translate what I learn into the show, not only so that I can kind of, you know, get my thoughts a bit more organized by saying them out loud, and trying to talk through them, but also, you know, hopefully being able to uh, pass that knowledge along in a, you know, somewhat digestible form, uh, which makes sense and, you know, is helpful. So if that is the case, that's awesome. Uh, And I appreciate you stopping by. Um, Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you think I can change, what I can do better. Go check out my other episodes and do the same. You can reach out to me by uh, my social media. I have TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, And I also have an email set up. So you can reach out to me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. And let me know, you know, what you think. Um, You can also check out my website where I do my blog. That's forliberation.wixite.com forward slash website. There's no caps or any spaces in that. So, you know, feel free to check that out and let me know what you think of that as well. Uh, I have to go through and update some stuff on there, make it look a little bit more spiffy whenever I get the time, but... As we all know, capitalism does this really cool thing where it takes up all of our time and our money and our energy and our motivation Um, by having to go to work, run errands, pay bills, etc., etc., go to school. All this shit, you know, makes it pretty difficult to focus on um, anything, fucking anything. I did a great episode with my boy Ramiro Sebastian Funes a while ago. Um, He's a Honduran communist 
based out in um, LA. Uh, you should check out his shit on YouTube. Again, that's uh, Ramiro Sebastian Foyas. Um, and uh, there's a great episode that we did together on Alienation, which talks to both the more philosophical and um, kind of material separation between human beings and our labor, and then kind of the psychological and social effects that that has on human beings today. So um, figured I'd plug that because it, you know, kind of hits on what I was mentioning there. Um, And, uh, you know, one thing that is incredibly important to really begin to get an understanding of today um, and what I wanted to do this episode on is beginning to understand sort of, okay, we have all of these issues in society. The average person is well aware of kind of the blatant contradictions in society. You know, the inequality between the poor and the rich. Um, The lives and, you know, social structures of those of us who have to go to work every day. Um, These things are, you know, very obvious for those of us who have to go to work every day. And so, oftentimes, those of us on the left feel that because these problems are so self-evident, there's a lot to be said about maybe this is quote-unquote the masses' fault, that we have not solved these problems yet. I knew someone who went on quite an errand to express to me that the fact that we do not have an organized and militant left today in the United States is because the workers don't want it. It's because the workers are the people who are really screwing themselves, apparently. Now, I think a majority of us should be able to see maybe why this is problematic and why it is also an incorrect analysis. Because plainly put, okay, if it's the masses' fault that they can't see their own oppression, let me ask you this. Who's oppressing them? Because if there's someone oppressing you, if there's someone, you know, taking advantage and exploiting you, that presupposes a power structure of inequality, meaning that if there is someone who is oppressed, and there is someone oppressing them, the oppressor, then that means there is someone who has power, has the ability to oppress the other, and the person who is being oppressed does not have the power to liberate themselves. 
this much should be evident in the very relationship itself. This is important because if we recognize this, it leads us to further conclusions. Now, those of us who call ourselves leftists, right? Most of us are keenly aware that the media, the education, the social, political, and economic structures are all controlled in our society by a distinct class. And that class is what we refer to as the ruling class. In this way, and especially because of historical developments, right? There has been a certain amassing of both wealth and power which has centralized itself into a few hands. And this power and the wealth that both presupposes and also perpetuates that power. What I mean by that is power does not exist in a vacuum. I've said it in this way and I think this is the best way to understand it. You build a really big tower, right? To show off your power. You build a huge castle. If you are not continuously updating, expanding, militarizing, and technologically advancing that castle, eventually, someone's going to take it over. So power does not exist for power's sake, especially when we're talking about a historical epoch known as capitalism. Capitalism is a system which requires constant profit. Now, the empire that we live in, known as the United States, does not produce anything for itself. Therefore, like every other empire that has existed, its sole mode of profit, well, I shouldn't say sole, excuse my language there, one of its main modes of profit is imperialism, is the colonization and control of the markets, resources, and labor force of external nations. So, when we're talking about the ruling class, right, we're talking about the education system. We're talking about the police and the military. We're talking about the state. And the state is the legislation, the lawmakers, the electoral system. It is the schools. It is the social structure and the 
folks who hold the power within that social structure, like we said, the police and the military. This is the state. And it is a repressive state. So when we go around talking about the fact that the disorganization and the ignorance of the masses has everything to do with the fact that the masses are ignorant, right? That, that It's an unfalsifiable claim in that way. The masses are ignorant because they're ignorant, right? And it's their fault because they're not doing anything to fight their ignorance. Well, speaking as someone who came from <clears throat> a Christian um, conservative background... If your experiences, if your existence does not call into question the way in which you've been told society is structured and how it operates, you'll never question it because you have no reason to. By questioning it, the only thing that you can do is affect yourself, quote unquote, negatively because you are taking away, you know, sort of a privilege. In the sense that your mindset... Let me let me try to say this a different way. If you don't question... If you're not forced to question because reality contradicts your perceived understanding of reality... If that never happens for you... You kind of have a, a, a bubble that surrounds you. And therefore... You never really have to question anything. And if you do question something, that pops your bubble. And for a lot of people, they don't want to do that. Because when you pop your bubble, well, you got to do something about that then. Once you realize something is wrong, you have two options. You can do something or you can do nothing. But if you do nothing, you have to live with that. You have to see yourself every day and know that you know this. And you're not doing anything about it. You can go post on Twitter. You can go post on Facebook. You can record a podcast. You can post a blog. And that shirt, does that influence some people? Maybe. But what we're here to talk about today is how do we get the masses who are incredibly ignorant to their exploitation and oppression organized militant, disciplined, accountable to one another, and ready to take the actions by any means necessary to be able to change and solve the problems we're facing. How do we get the people there? Well, the Communist League, or I should say the Youth uh, uh, League of the uh, Brazilian Communist Party wrote a great paper, um, or an article, I should say, uh, called The Importance of Base Work. I believe, I believe that's the title. I can, um, put the link in the bio of the episode if I remember. Um, but this is really where I want to take the conversation because we're foolish, 
if we sit here and say that the masses' ignorance is the masses' fault, who made the masses ignorant? Who is in control of the society? Who's in control of the laws and the education, right, and the labor? Who's in charge of the mode of production in society? The ruling class. So can we truly sit here and say that the ruling class is not truly the one at fault for the masses' ignorance? I don't think we can. And I think if we do, we are very confused. So let's talk about it. So we have a class society, right? You got one group, one class, which is in power and structures the society so that their control and their power is perpetuated into the future by means of exploiting and repressing the folks who we call the working class, right? The folks like you and me who go to work every day, who go to school until we're 18, who pay our taxes, do everything we're supposed to, we follow the law, and at the end of the day, we don't have any power to influence any of that. We don't have the power to defend ourselves if we say one day, we don't want to do society like this anymore. That's the working class. That's class society, pretty simplistic. You got one group, one class, which is organized and disciplined and suppressing the needs and interests of the exploited and oppressed class. So in that sense, right, we got to get a little philosophical here and talk about the fact that, you know, what is society? Society to me, if we want to talk about in two ways, has an idealistic and a materialistic definition. So, society in this way, sorry, a car, uh, a fire truck just went by. Um, society is in its idealistic form, right? In in the way that the quote-unquote enlightened philosophers, the liberal thinkers, tried to imagine it, was a voluntary organization based on conscious consent to the rule of others. And through this conscious consent, of the rule of others, there's a a quote-unquote social contract that exists that the members of society who are quote-unquote active citizens who do things which quote-unquote benefit the majority are able to enjoy things like healthcare, housing, food, um, consumer-based goods, etc., etc., right? That's the idealized version. 
the material, aka the materialist version of society, is an organization of those who labor and those who employ labor. In this version of society, you have a very distinct formula, which is the majority of people will work, will provide military service, and will do what needs to be done in order to uphold the the political and economic structure of that given society. And because we're talking a materialist analysis, we also know that this society, as we said a second ago, is a class society, one based off of exploitation. So when we're talking about society in this way, we can see that it is structured, it is built, it is organized by a distinct group within society, not the majority within society. The masses, you and me, have very little control, if any, over the laws that are passed, the representatives that we have in our government, the way we structure our economy, what we produce and for who, what we pay our workers, how we structure housing and food, and how we acquire these things. All of this is directly decided by the ruling class. So in this way, we should be able to see that the ruling class has direct control over the minds and the physical existence of the masses. If the ruling class has this power and this power allows the ruling class to become more wealthy, to become more in control of society, then due to the fact that that ruling class has the power to do so, they will continuously structure and reproduce society, education, the labor force, all of that to support their own interests. Their own interests being the continued accumulation of wealth in power into fewer and fewer hands. This is not their decision. This is not a conscious choice that they are making of their own accord. 
These interests are directly built into class society. Again, one class has power because of and only if they are able to continue to suppress and repress the remaining members of that society. So can we truly say then that the masses are ignorant because the masses choose not to educate themselves? No! The masses are ignorant because everything in society is structured in a way which is supposed to convince people that this is the only way society can be structured. Why do you think they love to tell us capitalism is the most, quote, natural economic system? Why do you think they tell us that this is the most, quote, democratic system? It's because we are taught to idealize society. And therefore, anything which is supposedly, in word, striving towards that ideal is good. And anything which consciously admits that this ideal is not a possibility, and and especially not in the way that we've structured it now, and therefore we have to reorganize ourselves, restructure society in a way which is truly egalitarian which is as democratic as it can be without making democracy an almost evangelical, Christian-like, Judeo ideal to strive for, right? We're not trying to be Jesus here, folks. We're trying to feed people. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you think it's more important to, you know, try to perpetuate this supposed idea that, uh, you know, society needs to be democratic, we need to do things, you know, based off of uh, the, the way in which the market determines things, we have to be able to, you know, continue producing as we are, um, so that we can have all these consumer goods and all this bullshit, You have to understand that the only way that that continues is through the further exploitation of the masses, right? So, at which will continue their own ignorance, but that is the fault of the ruling class, not the fault of the masses here. I hope we're understanding this point now. So how do we fix that? Well, this writing by uh, the... Brazilian Communist Party's Youth League, um, the UJC, um, UG, UJC, sorry, um, really offers a, a, a key insight into this. First and foremost, you have to understand what is a, what is a base. So they separate it into twofold. You have your specific or particular base. And then you have your overall base. So you have, first and foremost, your specific or particular base. So maybe that's your workforce. Maybe that's your, uh, you know, community or your neighborhood. Maybe that is the school you go to. And then you have your overall base, which is the general working and oppressed people. So how do we do base work? Because this is the most important point. If we want to actually change the minds of the people, we have to give them something to make them want to change their minds. 
We have to be able to point out concretely the contradictions within society. And therefore, if we're going to point out the contradictions, we also have to point out a solution to those contradictions. The solution to those contradictions, of course, we know is proletarian revolution. But the people don't know that, right? So how do we get them to understand that? We got to start with base work. We got to get where the people are. So first and foremost, you go into your particular base and you do an analysis of this. You know, what, what is the general ideology or understanding of society that the people at your workplace have? How do they talk about their lives? How do they talk about their work? How do they talk about these things? And, and what does that really seem, what kind of uh, uh, foundation does that seem to be built on? The second thing you got to try to analyze is really where these people are at in their kind of path in life. When, when talking about, you know, okay, are they at the point where they're like, ah, shit is what it is. What are you going to do about it? Are they at the point where they're like, this shit is kind of ridiculous? Are they at the point where they're like, I don't give a fuck about the government or politics because they're all assholes. They don't do anything for us. Da, 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 da. You have to have an understanding of your particular base. And you have to be able to use the experiences and situations that you will be uh, enduring in order to show the contradictions within society. You have to be able to knit all that together. Because the last thing we want to do as communists is go into a space and play evangelical. We're not trying to go into a community which we do not belong to, which we do not have any connections with, and command them on how they are to solve their problems. That will not lead to solutions. That will only lead to continued aggravation of the working class people against one another, right? We also don't want to go into a community and just do whatever the fuck they're doing because as history has shown, the most conscious that the working class can get spontaneously is a sort of trade unionist understanding. But we need a revolutionary understanding. So in order to bring the masses there, we can't just tail them. We can't just follow along and write about the shit that they're doing. We have to point out how the shit that they're trying to do isn't going to actually help them. And we have to go to the demonstrations. We have to go to the teach-ins. We have to go to the eviction blockades and build connections. We have to be able to endure the struggle with the people who are struggling in order to build a relationship with them so that we can tell them, hey, this isn't going to work. Because you don't walk up to someone you don't know and tell them what they're doing is wrong. That's assholish. And whether that is the kind of energy that you're taking or not, it doesn't fucking matter. Because when you go to tell that person, hey, I think what you're doing is wrong, there's a good chance that deep down inside they're like, hey, I don't give a fuck what you think. So if you want people to actually give a fuck about what we think, you got to build relationships with them. So that's the most key point to the base work is building relationships, is enduring the struggle with the people so that as, you know, kind of the relationship builds and the, uh, the mass mobilization grows, you have the ability to guide and educate and instruct so that the masses don't make mistakes that 
you know, Lenin and Trotsky made, or that the Paris Commune made, or that the revolution in Nicaragua made, or the Cubans made, or the Yugoslavians and the other Eastern European countries made. Because here's the thing, when you educate yourself as a communist, when you call yourself a revolutionary, your goal is not to just be some asshole with ideas, but to know the history, to know the structure, to know the foundation, to understand the base and the superstructure of society, and be able to use your understanding of that to learn from the mistakes of the past in order to build a better future. But you can't do that if the people you're trying to help have no fucking clue who you are. So we have to stop pulling this bullshit of when are the masses going to be ready? When are they going to do it? When is this shit going to pop off? I don't know. When are you going to make it pop off? When are you going to go out there and tell them that they got to get this shit going? When are you going to get them organized? When are you going to be doing study-ins? When are you going to be trying to do, you know, fundraisers so that you could supply the homeless people in your community with food? When are you going to do demonstrations to call out the private prison system? When are you going to do rallies in support of indigenous people, political prisoners, war efforts, the Palestinian struggle, the Cuban struggle, the Nicaraguan struggle, the Indian farmers struggle? When are you going to stand out for the Nepalese and the Yemen uh, struggle? When are you going to fight against imperialism? When are you going to stand up against global capitalism? When are you going to go on strike? Because The masses will not do this spontaneously. History has shown us this. They need a guiding party. They need a vanguard. They need a communist, socialist organization which is building towards revolution, which has the foundation that can be taken and and people can plug right into it. Because here's the thing. I'm doing a lot of organizing right now, right? And and I'm learning a lot about what works, what doesn't work. I'm seeing how, you know, trying to bring different people together, trying to, you know, learn from one another, trying to come to agreed upon decisions. um, All that stuff is really fucking hard, right? And you're not going to be able to just get you know, four or five of your buddies together, none of whom have any organizing experience, and just out of, you know, pure willpower, be able to build a revolution because you guys just really want that to happen. You got to know what the fuck you're doing, right? When you go into a burning fucking building, if you don't know how to put out a fire, if you don't know you got to spray at its base, if you don't know how to, you know, breathe in that situation if you don't know you're fucked but guess what guys we're in a burning building america (laughs) fucking not even america the fucking planet the earth is a burning fucking building and if we want to get out of this burning building if we want to put out the fire because we have to realize here's a cool thing about being a westerner you don't just get to go ah fuck the global south is taking care of that look look at them doing their shit look at the you know the the people's agreement of cochabamba and look at what all these different indigenous groups are doing no because those indigenous groups get killed by their national bourgeoisie 
those third world countries get sanctioned to shit anytime they try to nationalize oil or do an agrarian reform. Those socialist and communist countries watch their representatives and, and the people in that country be brutalized. They watch them be murdered and assassinated by the United States or Canada or the United Nations. So if we want to actually change the problems, we got to recognize that first and foremost, we got to fucking sweep the legs of the, be of the beast here in America. Being in the belly of the beast, we got to be the ones to do it. Which means we got to get organized. Which means if we're organized, we know what the fuck we're doing. We know what our intentions are and we know how to do it. And not only do we know how to do it, we have the real life capability of doing so. We have the material foundation of an organization. We have the masses. We have the connection to the people. We have the correct ideas. And we have the power to do so. In order to all have all that, you got to have an organization which is set up so that when people come to a point where they want to do something, they can plug right in. They don't have to spend two, three years trying to find people, trying to walk up and down the street, trying to do random events and pop-ups and rallies in order to build a connection with the people because your organization is doing that. So that when people become aware of that situation, they can plug into your organization and help do that, but they don't have to do it alone. That's the problem. We have to have something that people can plug right into. And in order to do that, we have to be something that the people want and need. So first and foremost, it starts with building relationships. Then it starts with turning those relationships into militancy. Then it starts with turning that militancy into organization. And then it's that organization going out and building connection with more masses. Rinse, repeat. If you're still listening to the show, I really appreciate you. I did, you know, I, I hope that was helpful whatsoever. I think that the more and more people that I talk to, the more I realize that folks uh, are, are clearly unaware, including myself, of how the fuck to do this. So first and foremost, we got to recognize that we got to get with the people. We got to get organized. We got to get connected. And we got to figure out what it is that we can even do before we do anything. Because it's great to read these revolutionary books. It's great to know the history of all these revolutionaries. But at the end of the day, until we can take those ideals, take those, you know, kind of uh, uh, attempts at restructuring society and actually accomplish them, until we have the power to do so and be able to actually materially change the world, until we have control over society and we are able to do what it is that the masses need to be done because the masses need them done, not because there's a profit incentive, not because we can gain more power by doing so, but by feeding people, giving people housing, giving people jobs, because if they want to live in our society as it exists today, they need those things provided for them. Until we as a collective, until we as a society can organize ourselves to provide that for everyone through our own labor. Um, but yeah, it starts with mass work, starts with building an organization, it starts with a vanguard, which is able to take the ideas of the masses and turn them into a reality. Um, not just sentiments, not just you know, principles, but an actual material change that could be affected through uh, militant and mass uh, action. 
So if you're still listening, I appreciate you. I hope this was uh, helpful. I hope this, you know, presented some ideas to you and maybe made you think about some things. Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or critiques, again, feel free to reach out to me on my social media or by emailing me at indefenseofliberation at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces. Um, And let me know what you think about the show. Let me know about what ideas you'd like to hear me talk about, what guests you'd like to have me have on, what shows you think I should try to go on. Um... Hit me up if you want to come on the show and talk. You know, I'd love to meet you folks, be able to have conversations with you. Um, But yeah, uh, I hope this episode was worth listening to. I hope you are safe and staying well. Um, And I hope that in your area you are able to go out and get organizing. Even if you are, you know, three or four people, do what you can. Um, meet once a week, talk about what possibilities there are, go talk to people, do whatever you can do, you know, because we're not miracle workers. Um, We are not uh, also idealists who believe that if we just sit around, eventually the shit is going to pop off and there's going to be ability to just pick up a gun and go do the whole revolution thing. Revolution takes time. Revolution takes discipline. It takes actions that people don't want to do. But this is the only way that we can actually build a revolution that is supported by the masses, that is built by the masses, and is able to provide for the masses. Because that is our end goal. We're not looking to be another ruling class. We are looking to eliminate the class antagonisms which create a ruling and oppressed class by putting the masses in charge of society and using the suppression of the exploiters and oppressors to eliminate class antagonisms, inequality, and contradictions between the idealized way society should be and the materialist way that society is. Thank you so much for listening. Stay revolutionary, and we'll see you next time, folks. Peace.